0: Chapter Eleven of My First Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. My First Book by Various. Dawn by H. Rider Haggard. I think that it was in an article by a fellow scribe, where doubtless more in sorrow than in anger that gentleman exposed the worthlessness of the productions of sundry of his brother authors in which i read that whatever success i had met with as a writer of fiction was due to my literary friends and nepotic criticism this is scarcely the case since when i began to write i do not think that i knew a single creature who had published books blue books alone excepted nobody was ever more outside the ring or less acquainted with the art of rolling logs than the humble individual who pens these lines but the reader shall judge for himself to begin at the beginning my very first attempt at imaginative writing was made while i was a boy at school one of the masters promised a prize to that youth who should best describe on paper any incident real or imaginary i entered the lists and selected the scene at an operation in a hospital as my subject the fact that i had never seen an operation nor crossed the doors of a hospital did not deter me from this bold endeavor which however was justified by its success i was declared to have won in the competition though probably through the forgetfulness of the master I remember that I never received the promised prize. My next literary effort, written in 1876, was an account of a Zulu war dance which I witnessed when I was on the staff of the Governor of Natal. It was published in the Gentleman's Magazine and very kindly noticed in various papers. A year later, I wrote another article entitled "A Visit to the Chief Sikokoini," which very nearly got me into trouble i was then serving on the staff of sir theophilus shepstone and the article signed with my initials reached south africa in its printed form shortly after the annexation of the transvaal young men with a pen in their hands are proverbially indiscreet and in this instance i was no exception in the course of my article i had described the transvaal boer at home with a fidelity that should be avoided by members of a diplomatic mission and had even gone the length of saying that most of the dutch women were fat needless to say my remarks were translated into the Afrikaner papers and somewhat extensively read especially by the ladies in question and their male relatives nor did the editors of those papers forbear to comment on them in leading articles. Shortly afterwards, shortly afterwards, there was a great and stormy meeting of Boers at Pretoria. As matters began to look serious, somebody ventured among them to ascertain the exciting cause, and returned with the pleasing intelligence that they were all talking of what the Englishman had written about the physical proportions of their women kind and domestic habits and threatening to take up arms to avenge it of my feelings on learning this news i will not discourse but they were uncomfortable to say the least of it happily in the end the gathering broke up without bloodshed but when the late sir bartle frey came to pretoria some months afterwards he administered to me a sound and well-deserved lecture on my indiscretion i excused myself by saying that i had set down nothing which was not strictly true and he replied to the effect that therein lay my fault i quite agree with him indeed there is little doubt but that these bald statements of fact as to the stoutness of the transvaal frows and the lack of cleanliness in their homes went near to precipitating a result that as it chanced was postponed for several years Well it is all done with now and i take this opportunity of apologizing to such of the ladies in question as may still be in the land of life this unfortunate experience cooled my literary ardor yet as it chanced when some five years later i again took up my pen it was in connection with african affairs these pages are no place for politics but i must allude to them in explanation it will be remembered that the transvaal was annexed by great britain in eighteen seventy seven in eighteen eighty one the boers rose in rebellion and administered several thrashings to our troops whereon the government of this country came suddenly to the conclusion that a wrong had been done to the victors and subject to some paper restrictions gave them back their independence as it chanced at the time i was living on some african property belonging to me in the centre of the operations and so disgusted was i in common with thousands of others at the turn which matters had taken that i shook the dust of south africa off my feet and returned to england now the first impulse of an aggrieved englishman is to write to the times and if i remember right i took this course but my letter not being inserted i enlarged upon the idea and composed a book called setwayo and his white neighbors this semi-political work or rather history was very carefully constructed from the records of some six years experience and by the help of a shelf full of blue books that stare me in the face as i write these words and the fact that it still goes on selling seems to show that it has some value in the eyes of students of south african politics but when i had written my book i was confronted by a difficulty which i had not anticipated being utterly without experience in such affairs that of finding somebody willing to publish it i remember that i purchased a copy of the athenaeum and selecting the names of various firms at hazard wrote to them offering to submit my manuscript but strange to say none of them seemed anxious to peruse it at last how i do not recollect it came into the hands of messrs trubner who after consideration wrote to say that they were willing to bring it out on the half-profit system provided that i paid down fifty pounds towards the cost of production i did not at all like the idea of parting with the fifty pounds but i believed in my book and was anxious to put my views on the transvaal rebellion and other african questions before the world so i consented to the terms and in due course that was published in a neat green binding somewhat to my astonishment it proved a success from a literary point of view it was not largely purchased indeed that fifty pounds took several years on its return journey to my pocket but it was favorably and in some instances almost enthusiastically reviewed especially in the colonial papers about this time the face of a girl whom i saw in a church at norwood gave me the idea of writing a novel the face was so perfectly beautiful and at the same time so refined that i felt i could fit a story to it which should be worthy of a heroine similarly endowed when next i saw mr trubner i consulted him on the subject you can write it is certain that you can write yes do it and i will get the book published for you he answered thus encouraged i set to work how to compose a novel i knew not so i wrote straight on trusting to the light of nature to guide me my main object was to produce the picture of a woman perfect in mind and body and to show her character ripening and growing spiritual under the pressure of various afflictions of course there is a vast gulf between a novice's aspiration and his attainment and i do not contend that angela as she appears in dawn fulfils this ideal also such a person in real life might and probably would be a bore something too bright and good for human nature's daily food still this was the end i aimed at indeed before i had done with her i became so deeply attached to my heroine that in a literary sense i have never quite got over it i worked very hard at this novel during the next six months or so but at length it was finished and dispatched to mr trupner who as his firm did not deal in this class of book submitted it to five or six of the best publishers of fiction one and all they declined it so that by degrees it became clear to me that i might as well have saved my labor mr trubner however had confidence in my work and submitted the manuscript to mr john cordy Jefferson for report and here i may pause to say that i think there is more kindness in the hearts of literary men than is common in the world it is not a pleasant task in the face of repeated failure again and again to attempt the adventure of persuading brother publishers to undertake the maiden effort of an unknown man still less pleasant is it as i can vouch from experience to wade through a lengthy and not particularly legible manuscript and write an elaborate opinion thereon for the benefit of a stranger yet mr trubner and mr jefferson did these things for me without fear reward mr jefferson's report i have lost or mislaid but i remember its purport well it was to the effect that there was a great deal of power in the novel but that it required to be entirely rewritten the first part he thought so good that he advised me to expand it and the unhappy ending he could not agree with if i killed the heroine it would kill the book he said he may have been right but i still hold to my first conception according to which angela was doomed to an early and pathetic end as the fittest crown to her career that the story needed rewriting there is no doubt but i believe that it would have been better as a work of art if i had dealt with it on the old lines especially as the expansion of the beginning in accordance with the advice of my kindly critic took the tale back through the history of another generation always a most dangerous experiment still i did as i was told not presuming to set up a judgment of my own in the matter if i had worked hard at the first draft of the novel i worked much harder at the second especially as i could not give all my leisure to it being engaged at the time in reading for the bar so hard did i work that at length my eyesight gave out and i was obliged to complete the last hundred sheets in a darkened room but let my eyes ache as they might i would not give up till it was finished within about three months from the date of its commencement recently i went through this book to prepare it for a new edition chiefly in order to cut out some of the mysticism and tall writing for which it is too remarkable and was pleased to find that it still interested me. But if a writer may be allowed to criticize his own work, it is two books, not one. Also, the hero is a very poor creature. Evidently, I was too much occupied with my heroines to give much thought to him. Moreover, women are so much easier and more interesting to write about, for whereas no two of them are alike, in modern men, or rather, in young men of the middle and upper classes, there is a paralyzing sameness as a candid friend once said to me there is nothing manly about that chap arthur he is the hero except his bulldog with angela herself i am still in love only she ought to have died which on the whole would have been a better fate than being married to arthur more especially if he was anything like the illustrator's conception of him in the current edition in its new shape don was submitted to messrs hurst and blackett and at once accepted by that firm why it was called don i am not now quite clear but i think it was because i could find no other title acceptable to the publishers the discovery of suitable titles is a more difficult matter than people who do not write romances would suppose most of the good ones having been used already and copyrighted in due course the novel was published in three fat volumes and a pretty green cover and i sat down to await events at the best i did not expect to win a fortune out of it as if every one of the five hundred copies printed were sold i could only make fifty pounds under my agreement not an extravagant reward for a great deal of labor as a matter of fact but four hundred and fifty sold so the net proceeds of the venture amounted to ten pounds only and forty surplus copies of the book which i bored my friends by presenting to them but as the copyright of the work reverted to me at the expiration of a year i cannot grumble at this result the reader may think that it was mercenary of me to consider my first book from this financial point of view but to be frank though the story interested me much in its writing and i had a sneaking belief in its merits it never occurred to me that i an utterly inexperienced beginner could hope to make any mark in competition with the many brilliant writers of fiction who were already before the public therefore so far as i was concerned any reward in the way of literary reputation seemed to be beyond my reach it was on the occasion of the publication of this novel that i made my first and last attempt to roll a log with somewhat amusing results almost the only person of influence whom i knew in the world of letters was the editor of a certain society paper i had not seen him for ten years but at this crisis i ventured to recall myself to his memory and to ask him not for a favourable notice but that the book should be reviewed in his journal he acceded to my prayer it was reviewed but after a fashion for which i did not bargain this little incident taught me a lesson and the moral of it is never trouble an editor about your immortal works he can so easily be even with you i commend it to all literary tyros, even if you are in a position to command puffs the public will find you out in the second edition and revenge itself upon your next book here is a story that illustrates the accuracy of this statement it came to me on good authority and i believe it to be true a good many years ago the relation of an editor of a great paper published a novel it was a bad novel but a desperate effort was made to force it upon the public and in many of the leading journals appeared notices so laudatory that readers fell into the trap and the book went through several editions encouraged by success the writer published a second book but the public had found her out and it fell flat being a person of resource she brought out a third work under a nom de plume which as at first was accorded an enthusiastic reception by previous arrangement and forced into circulation a fourth followed under the same name but again the public had found her out and her career as a novelist came to an end to return to the fate of dawn in most quarters it met with the usual reception of a first novel by an unknown man some of the reviewers sneered at it and some slated it and made merry over the misprints a cheap form of wit that saves those who practice it the trouble of going into the merits of a book two very good notices fell to its lot however in the times and in the morning post the first of these speaking about the novel in terms of which any amateur writer might feel proud though unfortunately it appeared too late to be of much service also i discovered that the story had interested a great many readers and none of them more than the late mr Tribner through whose kind offices it came to be published who i was told paid me the strange compliment of continuing its perusal till within a few hours of his death a sad event that the enemy might say was hastened thereby in this connection i remember that the first hint i received that my story was popular with the ordinary reading public whatever reviewers might say of it came from the lips of a young lady a chance visitor at my house whose name i have forgotten seeing the book lying on the table she took a volume up saying oh have you read dawn it is a first-rate novel i have just finished it somebody explained and the subject dropped but i was not a little gratified by the unintended compliment these facts encouraged me and i wrote a second novel the witch's head this book i endeavored to publish serially by posting the ms to the editors of various magazines for their consideration but in those days there were no literary agents or authors societies to help young writers with their experience and advice and the bulky manuscript always came back to my hand like a boomerang till at length i wearied of the attempt of course i sent to the wrong people afterwards the editor of a leading monthly told me that he would have been delighted to run the book had it fallen into the hands of his firm in the end as in the case of dawn i published the witch's head in three volumes its reception astonished me for i did not think so well of the book as i had done of its predecessor in that view by the way the public has borne out my judgment for to this day three copies of dawn are absorbed for every two of the witch's head a proportion that has never varied since the two works appeared in one volume form the witch's head was very well reviewed indeed in one or two cases the notices were almost enthusiastic most of all when they dealt with the african part of the book which i had inserted as padding the fight between jeremy and the boar giant being singled out for especial praise whatever it may lack one merit this novel has however that was overlooked by all the reviewers omitting the fictitious incidents introduced for the purposes of the story it contains an accurate account of the great disaster inflicted upon our troops by the zulus at ilzandawana i was in the country at the time of the massacre and heard its story from the lips of survivors also in writing of it i studied the official reports in the blue books and the minutes of the court-martial the witch's had attained the dignity of being pirated in america and in england went out of print in a few weeks but no argument that i could use would induce my publishers to reissue it in a one-volume edition the risk was too great they said then it was i came to the conclusion that i would abandon the making of books the work was very hard and when put to the test of experience the glamour that surrounds this occupation vanished i did not care much for the publicity it involved and like most young authors i failed to appreciate being sneered at by anonymous critics who happened not to admire what i wrote and whom i had no opportunity of answering it is true that then as now i liked the work for its own sake indeed i have always thought that literature would be a charming profession if its conditions allowed of the depositing of manuscripts when completed in a drawer there to language in obscurity or of their private publication only but i could not afford myself these luxuries i was too modest to hope for any renown worth having and for the rest the game seemed scarcely worth the candle i had published a history and two novels on the history i had lost fifty pounds on the first novel i had made ten pounds and on the second fifty net profit on the three ten pounds which in the case of a man with other occupations and duties did not appear to be an adequate return for the labor involved but i was not destined to escape thus from the toils of romance one day I chanced to read a clever article in favor of boys' books, and it occurred to me that I might be able to do as well as others in that line. I was working at the bar at the time, but in my spare evenings, more from amusement than from any other reason, I entered on the literary adventure that ended in the appearance of King Solomon's Mines. This romance has proved very successful, although three firms, including my own publishers, Refused even to consider it, but as it can scarcely be called one of my first books, I shall not speak of it here. In conclusion, I will tell a moving tale that it may be a warning to young authors for ever. After my publishers declined to issue The Witch's Head in a six-shilling edition, I tried many others without success, and at length, in my folly, signed an agreement with a firm since deceased under this document the firm in question agreed to bring out don and the witch's head in a two shilling edition and generously to remunerate me with a third share in the profits realized if any in return for this concession i on my part undertook to allow the said firm to republish any novel that i might write for a period of five years from the date of the agreement in a two shilling form and on the same third profit terms of course so soon as the success of king solomon's mines was established i received a polite letter from the publishers in question asking when they might expect to republish that romance at two shillings then the matter came under the consideration of lawyers and other skilled persons with the result that it appeared that if the courts took a strict view of the agreement ruin stared me in the face so far as my literary affairs were concerned. To begin with, either by accident or design, this artful document was so worded that, prima facie, the contracting publisher had a right to place his cheap edition on the market whenever it might please him to do so, subject only to the payment of a third of the profit to be assessed by himself, which practically might have meant nothing at all how could i expect to dispose of work subject to such a legal servitude for five long years i was a slave to the framer of the hanging clause of the agreement things looked black indeed when thanks to the diplomacy of my agent and to a fortunate change in the personnel of the firm to which i was bound i avoided disaster the fatal agreement was cancelled and in consideration of my release i undertook to write two books upon a moderate royalty thus then did i escape out of bondage to be just it was my own fault that i should ever have been sold into it but authors are proverbially guileless when they are anxious to publish their books and a piece of printed paper with a few editions written in a neat hand looks innocent enough now no such misfortunes need happen for the author's society is ready and anxious to protect them from themselves and others but in those days it did not exist this is the history of how i drifted into the writing of books if it saves one beginner so inexperienced and unfriended as i was in those days from putting his hand to a hanging agreement under any circumstances whatsoever it will not have been set out in vain the advice that i give to would-be authors if i may presume to offer it is to think for a long while before they enter at all upon a career so hard and hazardous but having entered on it not to be easily cast down there are great virtues in perseverance even though critics sneer and publishers prove unkind yours very truly H. Ryder Haggard. End of Chapter Eleven.